Welcome back to Climbing Thy Mountain, a podcast chronicling the rise of Liberty Athletics through the eyes of those who witnessed it. Today, we welcome in longtime head women's basketball coach, Kerry Green, to the show to talk about his time at Liberty and the women's team's magical 2005 NCAA tournament run. Let's send it to the studio as host Joshua Lepowski sits down with Coach Green. And welcome back into Climbing Thy Mountain, a podcast chronicling the rise of Liberty Athletics through the eyes of those who witnessed it. Joshua Lepowski here with you for another episode, and today we have the current head women's basketball coach of the Lady Flames, Kerry Green, in here with us today, and he has a lot of accolades. He's been at Liberty for a very long time, been at Liberty since the late 90s, and uh, has led the Lady Flames to multiple conference championships, a Sweet 16 bid in 2005, uh, even leading them through three different conferences from the Big South to the A-Sun and then soon to Conference USA. So, uh, Coach Green, uh, thanks for coming on for us with us today. Josh, thank you. It's a privilege to be here with you and just sharing with you some thoughts about Liberty University. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, Coach Green, to start off, how did you end up at Liberty? What was that process like? Because you had been at Clemson for a long time as an assistant coach and had had some success there. So what brought you to Liberty and what and what um what was it kind of that pushed you over here? Well, uh, I think you have to do a little background history. And uh, I actually had two younger brothers that attended Liberty University before I came up here while I was coaching. Uh, they had gotten their degrees from Liberty. And then I had a mother who graduated from high school, but she didn't have the opportunity to go to uh, college or university to get an education. But at that particular time, they had the biblical studies and they had a, a Bible degree. So my first experience at Liberty was actually coming up for graduation to see my mother walk across the stage to get her um, degree in Bible, I guess. And and it was not a bachelor's degree or master's. It was sort of a certificate. And uh, with a family of six with four boys and me being the oldest, hey, we're going to show up when our mother gets a degree. She's put so much of her life into us. So entire family came up and uh, at that point in time there was not very many eating establishments around Hardee's was still here I think McAdoo's were brand new uh, Applebee's so it was an experience uh, of just uh, support to my mom and that was several years ago so that was my first Uh, introduction to Liberty University was two brothers and a mother who walked away with a degree. Wow. And how, and what, do you remember what exact year that was that this was all happening? Uh, I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, I can't, no, I I know I had to be at Clemson. So we know it's, that's 24, probably, it's probably reaching close to 30 years ago. Wow. That's Little, that's a little bit ago, and campus was a lot different at the time when you were here. I mean, there was, a, you know, I mean, at, at that time, obviously, Williams Stadium was brand new, and there was no upper deck there and all sorts of stuff, and the Vine Center, I believe the Vine Center was also relatively new at that point, too, so campus looked a lot different back then, didn't it? Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, probably some landmarks was the chapel was still there, and it was sort of a, a centerpiece along with the mansion, 
And as far as athletics goes, uh, we had a Hancock Center at that point in time in the same uh, site where our current visitor center is. And but it was very limited, and but that was sort of a hub along with some developing facilities around. And you're absolutely right, probably. At that point in time, uh, showpiece, and I know I'm a little biased coming from the basketball perspective, but uh, I think the Vine Center, which was really a multi-center um, for a lot of activities, but certainly basketball uh, was a major one in, the, in that facility, along with having three convocations a week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday while we were there. But, uh, yeah, the, can, this, the campus has continued to evolve. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward here to 1999 when you become the, the head women's basketball coach here at Liberty. You know, first of all, tell me kind of where Liberty was at that time and, like, what it looked like back then compared to what it was today. And also tell me a little bit about how intimidating that was for you to come into a program that had already had some success because they had just made their first NCAA tournament a couple years prior. And so this was a program that was starting to get used to having success and you're tasked with continuing that. So, you know, kind of walk me through all of that. Yeah. At that point in time, uh, the university is evolving and growing. And it was some difficult times at that point in time. Uh, They've come out of D2 or NAIA, or actually I'm not sure if they were ever NAIA, but uh, there was a transition period. They become uh, D1 in sports, and uh, it was really tough to compete at that point in time. And uh, uh, they were having some success in some sports, and but but very limited, and uh, you can even see that in the landscape today. You know, you'll have uh, the Power Five, and then the I think they're calling it the Group Five next in sports. But uh, they were certainly tiers of um, competitions at that point in time, and yet even the Power Five was so young and and growing. Uh, in women's sports, but um, it was a transition period. I had been at Clemson for 12 years, and we relatively uh, had a lot of success, and uh, I think we'd been in the ACC championship two out of the last four years and won two um, ACC championships, uh, defeating Duke and North Carolina by 18 or 21 points. So we had some good runs there, and we had made several runs to the Sweet 16. During that period of time, um, Liberty, the women's athletic, or Liberty women's basketball, and that's that's where I'm going to focus on right now, was uh, having some success. But previously to the last um, – three years before I got here, they'd struggled. They'd been 500 or under 500, and they had gotten uh, some better recruits and uh, had an international uh, girl came in, and uh, she was a pretty good ball player, and she's, in fact, the first young lady that went to our um, Hall of Fame um, 
Elena Kisavleva, along with some local girls at that point in time. It was the Wilkerson twins who were just so competitive. You put those three in typically a successful program in basketball or a successful team has three good ball players, uh, typically a great ball handling guard, and that was Sarah Wilkerson, and a, a scoring guard or outside threat, and that was Sharon Wilkerson with uh, Elena, and Elena was sort of a stretch four, so there was a lot of offense there with those three with a lot of greediness, and um, they um, – got in a championship game, and the championship game uh, was played here. And uh, it was a, a lot of excitement. I've seen videos. I've seen pictures of that game. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, they beat UNC Greensboro, the first game uh, well to win the first conference championship. So a lot of excitement. Uh, I wasn't there, but like I said – uh, I saw video, and, and one of the stories, other than, you know, Elena was an outstanding ball player, and I think she possibly could have played at the next level, but at the end of the season, uh, she was fighting mono, and uh, it really took a toll on her, and yet um, in her senior year, she finished, and she was a champion uh, during that period of time, another conference championship, but um, the story was told uh, one of the Wilkerson twins, I think it was uh, Sarah, who was diving on the floor for a loose ball. And an, our opponent, a girl from Greensboro, dove on the, on the ball as well, but actually dove on her head and uh, forced her head into the court. She knocked out her two front teeth, took her out of the game, and the doctors or the dentist was there they fixed her up whatever and you got to know the Wilkerson twins they're going to compete if they can walk and get to the court they're going to compete and play um she came back in the game and um the first play was a side out of bounds play and she took a charge on that without like one second ticking off so the competitiveness of those three really set a standard and uh, we've been very fortunate I, I was blessed to come in and um, coach those uh, three along with the remainder of the team so you know you had mentioned you know I was I intimidated no come on I'd been coaching at ACC and we'd been winning and going to the NCAA it was just a great opportunity to work with some wonderful young ladies that were very, very talented. And any type of success you have is usually not an individual. It's it's a combination of a lot of resources and a lot of people. And those three were certainly a catalyst to start the program success. And um, I was blessed to have them my first year. And then from that point on, we continued to, I think, elevating the um, the recruits. We were getting a little bit better. And everybody wants to be a winner. So if you're winning, you know, you, you get people's attention. So we continued to um, 
increase the quality of uh, student athletes we were getting as the university continued to advance in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's pretty awesome. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how involved Dr. Jerry Falwell Sr. was during this time frame, because obviously, you know, he was, I mean, this university was literally, this was his vision. He was trying to build it himself at this point, and Liberty was starting to slowly creep forward. I mean, it was it was gradual, but it was growing and things like that. Can you tell me about his involvement in, you know, in athletics, maybe even in the program directly? Because, I mean, you know, everybody that I've talked to from, you know, athletics or just around the university have talked about how involved he was and about how, you know, much that he, you know, trusted and believed in the vision of this university, particularly from an athletic standpoint. Yeah, I was privileged to be around him and experience that, and everything you were hearing is nothing but the truth about him. He loves sports. Um, I think I could summarize it first first and foremost. He truly had a calling by God to go into the ministry. He loved the Lord. He loved the truth and loved to share that truth and, and love to others. And uh, it was that vision that began the university. And uh, I think, obviously, the Holy Spirit working in his life helped him understand how can I impact uh, the world for Christ. And it was through education. And he knew as well um, how to empower people. And uh, he knew within an education system and let me just jump to Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in, in statue. He grew in knowledge. He grew in favor with God and man. Those are the four areas that our program and really the university is uh, using that as cornerstones. And Dr. Falwell, he loved the Lord, and he grew the university, the part of Jesus grew in knowledge. He grew that part, and uh he evangelized, and that's the love for people, and um, the athletic part was the physical part. He knew how to establish a world-class education system that would impact the world for Christ, and that was taking the love that the whole culture or the whole world has for sports and um, be involved in that as well as uh, evangelizing and uh, music. How do you draw young people? It's music and sports, and he was involved in it. Personally, let me just behind the scenes, some stories behind the scenes. We'd have a recruit on campus. I would make sure if there's any way possible, he would meet with them, and I would take them over to the mansion. He was a wonderful recruiter, the best. If I could get them with Dr. Falwell, they would feel his love and his love for them. And uh, we'd always conclude he would always pray over them and just wish them the very best in their decision-making and uh, um, hopefully that they would be led to Christ to come here. Another story would, every time we would leave Josh, like get on the bus, we had a road trip, and he would find out or we'd let some people know, hey, we're going to be leaving from Doc's Diner, which is uh, what Slim Chicken now. Okay, that parking lot. Um, 
he would meet us there, come up in his big black suburban, uh, shake the players' hands, wish them the very best, get on the bus and pray for uh, safety in our travel. And uh, I, I remember, you know, really being emotional in those times that we would pull out and that man would be standing there, you know, just looking over the, the campus and his vision and just to have a president or a chancellor or my pastor come to pray over our team was something uh, that I'll never forget. I don't think I'll never forget it. And, uh, boy, when you get in the NCAA 2, Sweet 16, he's right there front row pumping his fist. And, uh, truthfully, when we won our Sweet 16 or the game to get into the Sweet 16, you know, we're 64, we win that one. 32, we win that. We're going into the Sweet 16. Before, Josh, I could get in to my own locker room. That guy had came out of the stands, and security had taken him around the court, and he was waiting outside the locker room before we even got over there. So it was just amazing. Uh, when he wasn't there, a lot of times we may get a get a phone call on the road. You know, congratulations, great win on the road. We'll see you back on uh, Liberty Mountain soon. So uh, endearment, love and competitive he loved the yankees he loved lady flames basketball he loved liberty and and the flames sports and music uh he was just unbelievable supporter of that and uh, we appreciate his love and his contribu- contributions how important do you think having the support that heavily of the university president because how involved he was with athletics and how much he believed in the vision of athletics was just so vital to the vision of the university. How much do you think that helped you guys as a program strive to be better, strive to be excellent, strive to be, you know, the one of his most famous quotes, if it's Christian, it ought to be better. How, how do you think that that involvement that he had and the care that he had put in, how do you, do you think that helped you become a better program and a better coach? Well, um, he was bold with his vision and uh, we just have followed his vision. Yeah, yeah. as a coach, I want to win. But before me, he wanted us to win. As you said, if it's Christian, it should be the best. And uh, I think he, he just set the standard for all of us. And I don't think any of us have surpassed his standard. His standard was to be the very best, to honor and glorify God. And when he puts out statements that are still on the history book is, hey, we want to beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame in football. When he puts those standards out there, it's out there. And, um, you know, it's a goal for us. And as we uh, continue to uh, compete, he has set the standard and supported us. And I, it, with it, not coming from the top, I, you just it gets choked down somewhere along the line. But it came from the top, a chancellor, president, somebody that loved it. And, and he's a brilliant man, a very intelligent, uh, photographic memory. Hey, Josh, you could meet him one time 15 years ago, and if he, 
he could say, okay, I remember you at McAdoo's, your name is, and he would, you know, shake your hand. It, it was amazing. And uh, he set the standard. He set the vision. And uh, I'm just grateful, shake my head, and I make this joke. It is a joke. But this, he was such a visionary. Uh, the joke was, and this is a Kerry Green joke, okay? He may say, look, I want – I want a trained rabbit that would climb a tree. And you um, say, Doc, there's no way, you know. And and next day, he would have found somebody that had a trained rabbit that would climb a tree, something that was just almost impossible. And he was such a, a visionary and uh, such a positive person. I I'm certainly blessed by knowing him and certainly blessed working at this university building champions for Christ. Now, you know, building champions for Christ, all that sort of stuff that, that a big part of that is having success on the basketball court. And you were able to have a lot of success on the basketball court, particularly early on, you know, take me through some of those early years prior to that sweet 16 appearance. And, you know, what was it that made you guys successful during those years? And, you know, kind of, you know, what was it as a program, some of your best memories of that time? Yeah, well, I'll first say it's it's a combination of a lot of um, people, a lot of pieces of the puzzle. Um, I had come in to a program that was pretty well established. Now, how do you keep it going? And I look back and tell you the truth, Josh, I just shake my head. Um, we won 10 straight conference championship and it was because of a lot of contributions from my assistants to a beautiful trophy wife okay denise you know she she kept my head straight a lot of times when i was twisted and off the uh, off the track so to speak and just having family and overall a family atmosphere from some great assistants to a program that uh, we tried to <laughs> this don't work, but it did work for a little while. I would try to replace players when they graduated, and I would put them on a scale. Okay, say, Josh, you played for me, and I considered you at the end as a senior, you're going out, you're a six on a scale of 10. I would try to replace you with a freshman coming in that's a, that's a seven, okay? And uh, that was a, a strategy that we tried to do. And every player, when I lo lost a player, I tried to find a player that was better than them when they came in. So that kept a standard up, and we always got a little bit better. But when you came down to Katie Feinster, I don't think you could get too much better. You know, here she is coming in six foot eight and ends up in first round draft choice in WNBA. Uh, we we just couldn't couldn't match that one. But uh, that was the strategy, and um, also we tapped into a lot of. Uh, international or foreign players, uh, especially Lithuania, was very good to us. And if you follow basketball in Europe, Lithuania is one of the most 
developed in the game of basketball and for women's basketball, Australia as well. And uh, they had a sense of pride. And uh, we ended up, I guess, at a period of time there, maybe six different uh, Lithuanian players that came in that were very talented. And you throw that in with some homegrown talent like Katie Feenstra or um, other players, uh, Crystal Tharp and... uh, it just put us up there and put us in the um, in in the public a little bit more. And uh, I don't think there's a better statement when we were going into that Sweet 16 game. We'd just finished beating DePaul, which was a classic. Now, let me go back from a history perspective. We were number one in the nation in defense and number one in the nation in in rebounding they were number one in the nation in offense and number two in the nation in rebounding that was a classic i will be i'll be quick to say i enjoyed that game we walked away with a win but that was probably i probably coached less in that game than i probably have in a lot of games and i see if, what what are you you know frown on your face right now josh it was so quick it was so quick. We had to get back on defense. They shot. We grabbed a rebound. Uh, we we wanted to walk it down, but they were pressing us. We wanted to get it inside to Katie, but they had a, an All-American post player that was drafted in the WNBA as well on the other side, in, in, inside. So it was a classic game that uh, was just wonderful. But a combination, back to your question, was just continue to try to build – um, from the player's perspective and keep our nose to the grindstone. And uh, in that situation, after winning that game, Katie Feenstro was interviewed and uh, she was asked during the interview on ESPN, uh, Katie, you could have gone anywhere in the country. Why did you choose Liberty? And she came back with the famous quote, why not liberty look at us we're having a blast we're enjoying this and uh giving god the glory so why not liberty was sort of a phrase that our our campus and especially uh athletics uh i I still use that today why not liberty Mm -hmm. so we've continued to uh recruit some wonderful people that uh want to honor god with their with their skill set and with their intensity and practice that carries right into a game. So, you know, you talked about how, you know, you just had Katie mention, you know, um, you know, why not Liberty at that time in 2005 when you guys made the Sweet 16? That was the first time Liberty, or that was, I should say, the most in the national spotlight Liberty had been in athletics really in their history um, at that point. So, you know, did you... Did that ever cross your mind that about how that was the 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 most in the spotlight Liberty had been nationally? Like, did that ever cross your mind? Did you ever think about it, or were you just were you just trying to to win a basketball game and trying to to win a championship ultimately? Josh, that's a great question, and with a simple answer, it never crossed my mind. Why? Is because I needed I I was wanting to honor God with my very best. 
and I wanted my players to do that. So it was a simple task for us. It's beyond our ability to to make Liberty a national Sweet 16, USA Today, top 25, 23, 24 rankings. Uh, that always comes with just giving your very best. So, no, it I didn't need that pressure. I was too naive to that pressure and didn't care about that. Uh, if I could put a smile on God's face and our players could put a smile on God's face with our efforts, hey, I don't need – we don't need man's praise for it because that's all we want. And so it was simple. And I didn't want to get my head messed up or twisted or get off track with, with ego or whatever. No, never was. And uh, our programs have continued. Softball is just blowing it out. You know what they're doing now. Uh, football, come on, winning bowl games in a row and and some of the competition they have uh with arkansas and wake forest it's just it's amazing where we're at right now and come on uh field hockey and lacrosse you know these programs swimming it's just amazing i, I it, i'm grateful that i'm working here but to get in a national championship game uh, or even have one or two national champions. And uh, um, Heather Sagan, you know, uh, that still stands back in my mind. So to see how God's blessed us and used individuals uh, for his glory is just uh, a privilege. How do you feel that that, you know, and I'm also, this is athletics wide now. How do you feel that? Everybody in this university keeping their mind on glorifying God with everything they say, everything they do. How do you think that that contributes to having success as uh, athletics as a whole in every program across all of Liberty on the mountain? Okay. Uh, I think it begins with, first of all, the individuals that are involved, the players, it comes from the direction of the leadership coaches who's recruiting those and directing them and shepherding those young ladies or, or men. And then in addition to that, our administration, our athletic administration, currently Ian McCall and his senior staff, uh, Aaron Hagen is my immediate supervisor and Todd Pertuski and uh, the financing, all of them, and our strength training coaches, we just pour into those that go into the front lines of the battle of competition, and uh, it it's just it just fits. So uh, it does trickle down from the top, and basically we've been talking about that, Josh. It came from Dr. Falwell. And right now, it's Jerry Prevo. And uh, before Jerry Prevo, Jerry Falwell Jr. had a lot of impact in development of our, our university and our athletic departments as well. And it's God's used each person uh, to honor and glorify him. But you got to have the heart to serve 
And I think the administration has chosen some wonderful coaches who understand that and have continued to move that down and invest that in our student athletes here. So we're talking a lot about coaches here. What is the relationship like between the different coaches that you have here at Liberty? Because obviously, you know, you guys are in your season, so you guys don't see each other a whole ton, I would presume. But, you know, what is that relationship like between you you all? Because obviously, you know, you're all ultimately you're wearing the same name on your chest, the same logo, you know, all that. And you're doing different sports, but you're all trying to do the same thing ultimately just in different sports. So what's that relationship like between them? Well, I think I can be very pointed with that. It's a family and uh, we're all pretty close, but just like in a family, uh, one brother might be closer to another brother uh, or sister or whatever. And uh, but we're very supportive. Uh I am personally working closely with uh, Trevor Johnson in volleyball and with Richie McKay. And we see each other, but uh, not on a daily experience uh, because uh, even though we're very close, down the hallway, we're so consumed with trying to uh, do our thing to uh, put a, a developed and prepared product in competition, a team. But, yes, hey, we'll call each other, hey, Coach, what do you think about this? Especially now, we're looking at Conference USA and how are the dynamics of uh, Liberty University is going to change a little bit. Yeah, Coach Ritchie and myself, we're, we're talking about how's basketball going to navigate through this but um you know you have phil phil hockey and lacrosse and um you know being in a different conference too and how that's going to navigate i, I don't even know what that looks like right now for them uh but uh it's a family atmosphere and um it's there's no jealousy we just sort of navigate if there's anything if there's any disconnect it's only because we got our game face on and locked in to what we're doing in that moment but we share and and uh it's a group too that when uh from the top down um sharing prayer requests being involved with each other when we're hurting and um, and celebrating victories together as well. Mm-hmm. So tell me a bit about the university and how much the university has changed and evolved over time. You know, how much, what do you feel are the biggest differences in Liberty now in 2022 versus what Liberty was like when you visited, you know, your mother's graduation and then when you came here to be the head women's basketball coach in 1999? Well, there's no question from an academic perspective and athletic perspective, both facilities and focus has grown uh, in major ways. Uh, I think sometimes it's easier to see a new basketball court and a new football stadium than it is a new biology lab that's hidden 
around or but it, we don't have to look too far away when you can see a medical center up on a hillside or a beautiful new business building uh it everything's just grown uh and i think it's has been great that we haven't lost our mission and uh we still have the convocations and um with the world is sort of changing around us, the whole culture around our society is changing, that we stay true to the truths of the scripture and uh, provide a faith-based education. And uh, we don't want to venture from that because, as I'd mentioned a little earlier, okay, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in, in stature physically. I'm calling that athletics, okay? And then he grew in knowledge. We've come hand in hand and with love of Christ, that spiritual growth that we have not gotten away from that target. And and then uh, in favor of man, that's going out there and sharing the word. Um, we've grown, but our mission has stayed the same. And I'm grateful for that because... Um, that's where we need to stay. Keep our our GPS or our HPS heart position system with our eyes on Jesus, and we've been right there. So, yeah, it's the storyline is still the same. Just new arenas, mm-hmm. new classrooms, and uh, we we've need to we need to make those changes. You know, with technology, if not, uh, we wouldn't be reading our Bible on our cell phone now. We'd still be carrying the Bibles around. So, Coach, you know, what do you think it is that helps keep the vision of liberty grounded? Because it can be very easy as time goes on when you start to see, you know, you know, dollar signs flying around and see, you know, you know, wanting to try to stay relevant. That's an easy temptation for humans to fall into. How do you? keep and how do you think the university keeps their vision of the vision of dr jerry fallwell senior and just in general the vision of just trying to glorify god with everything they say how do they keep that how, how do you think that everyone keeps their heads level in that sense to keep that mission uh forefront of everything well obviously the holy spirit just convicting and uh god's word staying in the word and uh, it needs to come from the top down so right now with dr prevo uh, former pastor put his entire life in spreading and preaching the word we got that type of leadership and the people that are under him follow that and uh, as i think we're well i know we're moving forward to uh a new chancellor or president that uh we keep those things that are important, those things that are eternal in in front of us and not just get caught up in things that are temporary and uh, worldly. And I just think it comes down to the leadership and the Holy Spirit. Well, simple answer, but a true answer in in every sense, you know, and and in every way. You know, so I I saw when I was reading your bio, you know, yesterday, I, I saw that you mentioned how you call this women's basketball program, quote, a 50-year program in the sense that you want to build, you know, not only build great 
basketball players, but build young women that are going to impact the world beyond that. You know, where have you seen that come to fruition? Like, what are some players that you've seen come through the ranks that you've seen have just absolutely exemplified that in the best way? And, and how close are they still with the program? Well, Josh, I got to stop you. This is my 24th year, so I can't say 50 years down the road yet. Okay. But um, a lot of the young ladies are, uh, and, and let me explain that too. Here's my vision of that. Let's say one of the girls that played for us that was from Lithuania. She came over here. She accepted Christ. She lived a, a Christian life. She goes back to Lithuania. She gets married. She's a Christian mother teaching truth to her children. And at 40 or 50, and she's... 70, her son becomes a president of Lithuania through Christian influences from his mother. And all of us could, that's going to be an emotional part. Come on. Her mothers have so much impact on sharing the truth with us. Uh, I've seen, and I, I can't even imagine right now because I'm not talking to all the players that are now married and children, but I can look right now at, uh, let's just let's keep it local. Let's keep it in-house. Katie Feinstra Matera met her husband here, Todd. They got two children, uh, two little boys, and they go to Liberty Christian Academy. Now, as they grow up, she's impacting and it's a pyramid scheme, sort of, that, uh, sort of speak, that uh, their family is impacting and they'll continue. From a, I guess, a small area of just who are they impacting, but it, it, it spreads with their children and what kind of job they're doing from there. Uh, I can, as an example, back to the kid that's from Lithuania right now. She's uh, Agnia uh, is married. I couldn't even pronounce her last name, but Agnia has got two kids, and she is in the Vilnius, which is the capital city, and she's in real estate, the impact, and she is also in um, the city's planning commission and the impact that she has. Uh, and here's a young lady that got injured and rarely played and she expected me to take her off scholarship and i i without question said no you were injured um i want to keep you and she came back and had a wonderful senior year after having a serious leg leg injury um i i i guess you're asking for a specific uh, answer one of them a young lady is coaching and she's impacting and as billy graham says there's coaches have more impact probably than any other individuals in the in the world on on people's life and uh this young lady that uh, monique leonard has been coaching uh ever, ever since she left us and she has been coaching high school and high school boys and high school girls. And 
I, she's sassy enough, and she's a point guard, and she could control it. So I, it she's coached two or three men's teams or boys' teams in high school. So she knows what she's doing, and she's teaching them character and how to respect uh, women as well as biblical principles. So she's impacted, and there's that 50-year program that's going to continue going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Coach, what do you what are you looking forward to as Liberty makes the jump to Conference USA coming up soon? I know you said earlier you're not totally sure how that's going to change the landscape of Liberty, and that's a question that's not going to be answered for a little while. But what are you most looking forward to when it comes to making that jump? And, you know, how do you intend on just keeping trying to make an impact on these uh, on these uh, young women as you continue to uh, continue building your legacy and building, you know, just building a better name for Christ here at Liberty? Well, uh, a change... I, I think I have to be in tune to the changes that are going around uh, the university, around the world, within our culture, social media, all of that. But we do not want to get away from the fundamentals of truths of scriptures. And uh, as we move into another conference, uh, the foundation is going to stay the same, Josh. It'll stay the same. Uh, the travel will be a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, we used to be riding in little vans, and we're all cramped up and getting home at 2 o'clock in the morning and things like that. You know, that's a long van trip to New Mexico State or some of those places. That's not going to happen. So we got to make some adjustments, and uh, those that are quick to change are quicker to uh, success. So there'll be some things that – I don't know what I don't know right now, Josh, uh, but I will say, and, and answering your question, we will stay focused on God's truth and um, building on those foundations because we've been able to experience God's blessing and success through those those fundamental truths right there. So some changes, but uh, it'll be determined as we get into it and um and you know i, I the, one of the changes we have to do now is with social media is big and how quick things are and i appreciate here here we're, we're doing a podcast okay it's going to be put out there is to make those changes and recognize those things and, and jump right in there and be involved with it so i want to say i appreciate you giving me this opportunity but um social media and branding and putting herself out there and uh but we're we're not going to start tick tocking ourselves to death okay so to speak but uh uh those are the changes we we need to be aware of so we can be successful well coach thank you so very much for taking time out of your day to come and talk here on this podcast really appreciate it thank you for all the great stories and the great you know um insight and just you know uh, you know, you know, keeping in perspective what the mission of Liberty is and how important, you know, and how important that sports are to that. And, you know, how Liberty has evolved as time has gone on. And, you know, you've 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 been there through it. You know, you've seen Liberty really grow in a lot of ways from when you came here to to, to where it is now. So, um, you know, thank you again coming on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be here at Liberty, and uh, thank you for your time and this opportunity. And uh, let's just praise the Lord and say, Go Flames! 
Indeed, indeed. Thank you so much once again for tuning into this episode of Climbing Thy Mountain. Be sure to tune in on Friday as we take a deep dive into the history of club sports with current men's D1 hockey coach and the vice president and athletic director for club sports, Kirk Candy. That episode is coming out on Friday. Until then, I'm Joshua Lepowski. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Climbing Thy Mountain. Special thanks to Associate Athletics Communications Director Paul Carmony for helping to set up this interview. Be sure to tune in on Friday for a deep dive into the history of Liberty Club Sports with head men's D1 hockey coach and club sports athletic director Kirk Handy. Thank you once again for tuning in.